who are you? All right, that's a that's there's just lots of ways to think about that one. And you know, we don't usually ask ourselves that question. That's so so we should ask how do people describe you? Is it by your physical attributes? Oh, he's that tall one. Remember him? Yeah. He's the guy that exercises. He's got those, you know, those big guns. <laughs> Never had those, but I understand there are people with those. <clears throat> anyway, probably you don't want to be described as the wide one. You know, that's, that's not good. Cute. Now, that'd probably be good. That'd be okay. Long hair, you know, the one with the short hair, you know, whatever it is. Is it your physical attributes that people first mention when they talk about you? We're often described by what we do. Your work, the carpenter, or the housewife, the secretary, the pastor, or the preacher, or the Pharisee. <laughs> Sorry, that's Brian Duncan if you don't know him well. You can listen later. Ah, maybe it's not your vocation that people mention, but your avocation. You know, what do you do for fun? The fisherman, lots of those out here. The flautist, or the Formula One racer. <laughs> That last one will catch the eye of your insurance agents, in case you didn't know that. People regularly describe others by their abilities. She's the smart one. He's the musical genius. You know. Oh, you know, that artistic one. How other people describe us can really be very interesting. But how would you describe yourself? And maybe more critically... How do you want people to describe you? Malcolm Forbes said, we'd all like to be taken for what we'd like to be. (laughs) I think that's the same as that bumper sticker, Lord, help me to be what my dog thinks I am. (laughs) I think that's the same thing. So how do you describe yourself? How do others describe us? How do you want others to describe you? And let's up the odds here. What would you like to actually be? Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Believe it or not, that little description, ruler of the Jews, gives us quite a thorough description of our friend Nicodemus. First, it tells us he was a member of the Sanhedrin. There was one of only 70 men who ran the whole nation. Sort of like a senator today, but... Even more, it wasn't just a political position, but also a religious and a social, and it had an economic advantage. Uh, They were also in charge of all the education in the nation. Think Harvard and Yale. They were professors with political clout, financial strength, and social prominence. In other words, Nicodemus was a wealthy, powerful, educated man. In short, he had it all. Archaeology, by the way, has discovered a Nicodemus from Jesus' time who was a ruler of the Jews. In fact, all of these things that we've said. Now, we don't know that this is the same man or not, but but it is interesting. How about some other biblical figures of the time? John the Apostle was the disciple that Jesus loved. Now, that's an appellation that we would all love to have applied to us. Paul was a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. People of that time who fought against Paul and his fellow workers called them those men who turned the world upside down. (laughs) 
great description. I, I kind of would like to have people say that about me. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe something's wrong with me. The son of Mary and Joseph, in human terms, the brother of Jesus, described himself as a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is particularly poignant in that James had rejected Jesus' claims before his resurrection. Now he says, the Lord Jesus Christ. He calls Jesus his master and the chosen one of God. Interesting. How about Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ? There's one thing all these guys had in common. They all defined their lives by Jesus Christ. Do we define ourselves in relation to Jesus? While we're thinking about that, let me explain the uh, paper and the envelope. You know, I was complaining last week. I said earlier about the Christmas in July ads. (laughs) So, you know, two can play at this game. So this is our New Year's in August celebration. And actually, we're just going to be making resolutions today. This is your resolution. I'm going to give you words to fill in the blanks. And then, on most of them, there's a box for you to write the rest of the statement. And here's the thing about that paper. You're the only one who's ever going to see it. (laughs) Unless you share it with somebody else, you know, now to maybe get some thought but or later to hold you accountable. But when you're done filling that paper out, you're going to write your name and and your address, if you want, on the outside of the envelope and put the paper inside and it's got one of those tabs and you seal it, right? And it'll stay sealed until the new year. Okay? Nobody's going to open it. It's going to stay sealed all the way to the new year's and then we're going to give it back to you. (laughs) Either in person or, or if you put your address on it, if you're not from here, we'll mail it to you. In other words, in six months, you get to hold yourself accountable for what you write today. (laughs) Isn't that exciting? (laughs) So, we'll get to it. Nicodemus was described as a ruler of the Jews. The apostles described themselves by their relationship to Jesus. You should then finish this statement. In the coming year, I want to be described as... What? I want to be described as what? Of Nicodemus, John said, this man came to Jesus by night. By night. Why by night? Well, the scripture doesn't say. (laughs) But a pretty good guess is that he was afraid of being seen with Jesus. Clearly, Jesus' actions in clearing the temple, which he had just done, put him directly at odds with the rulers of the Jews. So for a ruler of the Jews to be seen calmly conversing with Jesus, even asking him what reality looks like, that could be seen as putting that person at odds with the rest of the Sanhedrin. Even if he was wrong in meeting Jesus at night, We can understand Nicodemus being afraid to be seen with Jesus. How about you? Are you afraid of being seen with Jesus? Of course, Nicodemus could have come at night simply because he worked during the day. So he took the time in the evening to seek out Jesus rather than just veg in front of the TV. Now, wait a minute. They they didn't have TV back then. Yeah, then I guess that would be our problem, wouldn't it? A good possibility was quite simply that this was just a normal time that people got together to talk. (laughs) 
And if so, that raises a pretty obvious question for us. Do you have, do we have a normal time to talk to Jesus? In other words, is your prayer life consistent? Is it continuous? Are you committed to prayer? Regardless, you, probably like the rest of us, could use some improvement. Here's a second statement for you to complete. By the new year, I will improve my prayer life such that... What? I will improve my prayer life. It is without question, when Nicodemus spoke with Jesus, that it changed his life. We need to talk with Jesus regularly, but there's a closely related issue. Is there someone in your life you need to make an effort to see before the coming year? Someone with whom you need to set things straight? If so, you are once again (laughs) like the rest of us and need to complete this thought. By the new year, I will do my best to meet with whom? I will do my best to meet with this man said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Question. Was Nicodemus speaking the truth? I mean, he did use rabbi. That's a very respectful term for teacher. But if he really understood the signs that Jesus did, would he have stopped at rabbi? (laughs) Could it be that he was trying to manipulate Jesus? You know, pat him on the back so that later he could stab him in the back. I don't think so. I think he was truly seeking to find the truth. And to do that, meant challenging his faith. Everything he believed was on the line. But the only way to know what he believed was right was to challenge it quite directly. Nicodemus took a huge chance in opening his faith to questions with Jesus. You know, how about you? Before the new year... I will challenge my faith by... Before the new year, I will challenge my faith by what? What will you do? Nicodemus said, we know that you are a teacher come from God. Now, what did he mean by we? Now, the truth is he could have just meant himself. Uh, That was a polite way of conversing back then. He probably, though, meant his friends in the Sanhedrin. Uh, We're told that later, after Jesus rose from the dead, many of the priests believed. Some of those were probably friends of Nicodemus. Uh, It's very important that our we is a good we who are the friends in our lives. Later, when Jesus hung dead on the cross, Nicodemus made a choice between Jesus and the Sanhedrin. He made the right choice. Are we willing to leave behind those who might keep us back in our faith? The Apostle Paul had to leave behind the same group that Nicodemus did. And he said it clearly, Do not be deceived, bad company corrupts good morals. Are we willing to make an effort to associate with those who can help us in our faith and maybe leave some relationships behind? 
and may I assure you, Jesus is worth it. (laughs) Before the new year, I will change my relationships for Jesus. And be specific. Specifically what? (laughs) Before the new year, I will change my relationships for Jesus. Back to Nicodemus and those signs. What signs did he mean? We know Jesus was performing miracles. But then again, Jesus had just cleared the temple. That's a pretty big sign. What did he think about that? Did he wonder if Jesus was the Messiah? And again, if so, why did he just say rabbi and teacher? Why did he use that? Do you understand who Jesus is? Can you see the signs clearly enough to know who he is? The signs during his earthly life. Do you read the Bible enough to know what they are? And by the way, listen to the Bible sometime. If you get a Bible on tapes or CD or MP3, it's phenomenal what you catch when you hear another person reading the words aloud. And remember, the whole Bible is about Jesus. So learn the whole Bible. And to do that, you should join a Bible study. Well, you're here this Sunday service, so you're already doing good. We have a Sunday morning discussion group here at 915. And once we get past summer slowdown, uh, we'll pick up our midweek Bible study too. That one's a lot of fun. There are people in our community here who just, they have Bible studies in their homes. <laughs> people just come on, just do it in their, in their living room. It's great. You know, maybe, maybe you could do that in your living room. It might be a good idea. And if you're ready for some serious study into who God is and what his word says, you can ask about our special forces training. We used to call that the Timothy Tabitha Project. It's a two-year program that can ground you in the Word so thoroughly that you can actually teach others what it means. So, carefully consider as you complete this statement, in the new year I will improve my Bible study by... What are you going to do? How are you going to improve your Bible study? But, of course, one has to go beyond learning. (laughs) You can't just hear it. You actually have to do something with it. (laughs) Let's say it this way. Can you see the signs in his works today? Do you gather with his church, that's all the rest, who believe enough? Do you do enough good works for him? I mean, not for yourself, not to gain something, but truly just for him. Do you talk to people about him? And of course it does good for them, but but it does immeasurable good for us as well. Think about it. Does God need us to save those he wants to save? Yeah, of course not. He doesn't need us to save other people. He uses us in that process for our benefit. So, how will you finish this statement? Before the new year, I will participate in his works by... How will you participate in his works? Do you truly want to do better for God? Live for him more completely than you ever have before? Can you see growing signs of him in your own life? If we're going to do more for him, we will have to change. (laughs) To grow, you have to change. Have you seen changes in your life this year because of Christ? Because if you're not growing, you're dying. Before the new year, I will change my life because of who Jesus is. 
Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. <laughs> wow. Now, we hear born again a lot. It is, after all, the central point of Jesus' argument here. But again is actually not completely clear. I'll explain. In the original language, the word translated again could mean from above. Now, we quickly learned that Nicodemus thinks Jesus meant again, not from above. But was he right? Could Jesus mean born from above? Or, and I think this is probably it, could Jesus intend to mean both? You must be born again from above. I mean, is your life born again from above? <laughs> Who is it that you know that should hear this statement of Jesus? In the coming year, I will tell who? Who will you tell about Jesus? Who do you know that needs to hear the question, is your life born again from above? Can you see the kingdom of God? Do you know what it is? Do you even know what you're looking for? <laughs> Could you recognize the kingdom of God? And don't forget that good news. Go on to that. You don't have to know what the kingdom of God is. You don't have to understand heaven to get there. You just have to want to. <laughs> If you want to know, if you want to be with Jesus, that's all that matters. Jesus did say, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. All one has to do is desire and God takes care of the rest. And okay, actually, He even takes care of the desire part if you want to know. But So what will you say to this? In the new year... I will seek to see the kingdom of God more clearly. I will seek to see the kingdom of God more clearly. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And it's not like Nicodemus is some thick-headed numbskull that just, who actually thought Jesus meant something like that. He knew it was impossible. That's his point. He was admitting he didn't understand. Are you willing to admit you don't understand? It's a necessity if you wish to learn. And learning more about God is how you draw closer to God. And drawing closer to God is how you get more secure in your faith. In the new year, I will admit I don't understand so I can learn more of God. I will admit I don't understand so I can learn more of God. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Truly, truly. Jesus first addresses Nicodemus' astonishment <laughs> If Jesus were speaking in Hebrew, he would have said, Amen, Amen. Amen means it is firm, it is fixed. We might say carved in stone. Usually people say this to show their agreement with something somebody else has said. Hear, hear. That kind of idea. It would be an approval or a support of some statement. But Jesus uniquely, of course, uses it of his own saying. <laughs> 
Jesus is claiming that his words are unlike any other's words. Every word Jesus spoke had the quality of inspiration, just like the Scriptures do. And we know all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable. So the words of Jesus, the words inspired by the Holy Spirit, need to be observed like no other words. How then do we need to view them? In the new year, I will take God's word as absolute. I will take God's word as absolute. Back to Nicodemus. Born of water and the Spirit. Now water here simply means natural birth in the same way that Isaiah used it. One of my Baptist professors was anxious to make water mean baptism. Love the guy. I'm telling you right now, that's not it. This is, this is not the case. Jesus is contrasting being born from below with being born from above. And this is important because Jesus is here rejecting a commonly held belief of the Jews of that day. The idea that birth into the Jewish community is all that's needed. That's sufficient for entering the kingdom of God. That's all you need. Be born a Jew and you're okay. No. There are people today who think they're going to get into the kingdom of God because of their parents or their grandparents. I've even heard people say, I've always been a Christian. The Bible is clear. No, you have not always been a Christian. That's not the case. Good news, if being ready to enter the kingdom of God is your desire, you probably are ready. But there are people who think they were born Christian. That's particularly a problem in the Roman Catholic community. You run into it quite a bit. You were not born a Christian. That's not possible. We have to be born again from above to belong to Christ. As Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do you have a clear understanding of flesh and spirit? For those of you who like to do that extra reading, Romans 7, it'll it'll probably resonate with you really good. Basically, it's like this. Our natural, born of the flesh, of water, self, is constantly fighting against God. But our new self, born of the Spirit, strives ever toward Him. So it's really all about living as God wants rather than as our evil desires would like. It's about choosing to let the Holy Spirit fill us. In the new year, I will live more by the Spirit and less by the flesh. More by the Spirit, less by the flesh. Jesus said, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. And Nicodemus struggled because he was so sure that he knew how to behave to get on God's good side. He thought he had spiritual truth down pat. I mean, he's a ruler of the Jews. He really thought he understood. But he had to give up his incorrect preconceptions to leave them behind in order to grasp the new real truth. The new that was truth. The truth. The difficulty was that what he thought was true and who he was were tied together. He had to let go of much of his own past 
to move to the new and better future. Why would a person hold on to a defective past? You know, do we really want to answer that question? <laughs> Maybe that's too personal. Don't hold on to the past. You've left the past behind before. Did you know that? I mean, in a huge way. Did you know you've done that? And I don't mean you generally, all you people. I mean you specifically. Each one of you has has left the past behind in an incredible, enormous, amazing way. You were comfortable. You were happy. You had all you needed. And then, boom! You were forced out of that world into a cold, hard world. You, personally, thrust out. You were born. (laughs) Really. When you went through your natural birth, were born of water, you had to leave everything behind. Don't you think that maybe going through spiritual birth should have some effect like that? Maybe? You can't move forward without leaving the past behind. What will you leave behind? What will you do or not do that you used to? Before the end of this year, I will strive to stop. Stop what? Before the end of this year, I will strive to start. What? The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Jesus is saying that God moves who He wills into this new life. Exactly how it works. Don't know. Really can't tell you that any more than I could tell you where the wind's coming from or where it's going. (laughs) Got some idea, but not really very much. I do know that God makes the rules, not me. (laughs) And one of God's rules is, I choose that one. I choose that one. Jesus came and died on the cross to save you. And this this isn't some plan B. This is not an emergency fix that God had to come up with. No, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Before the foundation of the world God chose you. What changes everything in our lives? Well, the constant recognition of this truth. (laughs) This year, this day, I will remember that God chose me before He made the world. How do people see you? You know, your physical attributes, your vocation, your avocation, your abilities. Yeah, they're great. They're really great, those things. But only when they touch your spiritual life do they have any great meaning. Who are you? (laughs) Who will you be? I don't think there's a question of greater importance. Who will you be? 